Hey everybody, welcome once again to the Wrestling Inc. Podcast. I'm Glenn Rubenstein, joined as always by Raj Giri. We got Chris Featherstone with us today and our special guest, Bruce Pritchard. We're going to be talking to him in the first half of the show before we jump into SmackDown Live coverage for January 9th, 2018. Bruce uh, has an event coming up that we want to plug. Bruce and his host Conrad Thompson are going to be hosting a live episode of their popular Something to Wrestle With podcast at the Brooklyn Nets versus Miami Heat NBA game on January 19th at Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. Tickets are only $35 for the podcast and the game, and you can purchase them at boxofgimmicks.com. So, uh, Bruce, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Well, hell, I'm done. Thank you. If you could just, <laughs> know, you just a couple more times, there's no reason man. for him to be here now. I'm, I'm golden, man. Thank you. Yes, I am, I'm doing excellent now, man. That's absolutely perfect. <laughs> Fantastic, man. Fantastic. Great to have you today. <laughs> well, thanks for uh, thank you for having me, man. It's a lot of fun. So, uh, I just you know I go through things a lot of times in my garage and my wife will come in and we found i don't know if you guys can see that good enough but it's a, <laughs> a grand opening of wwf new york from january 19th 2000 oh, and she came running in going look what i found look what i found it's your show um but i got like all kinds of old old pictures of uh like my wedding and oh wow and just kind of stuff like that that I like to show on my morning deuce with Bruce. And, <laughs> and I found pictures from Pat Patterson's first retirement party at my house, which we always give him a hard time because we gave him a big screen TV and then he came back three months later and then retired again and wanted another TV. And so we just figure every time he needs a TV, he retires. <laughs> nice. Well, thanks, Bruce. Obviously, the big thing just last night you were announced for Raw 25 coming up in, in a, a little under two weeks. Um, how long had that been in the works? <laughs> well, uh, the really and truly, as far as saying, hey, yeah, we'd definitely like to have you there uh, Friday. So, nice. that yeah, it was nice. And I didn't know they were going to announce it. I was. I was home tending to some other things when my phone just started blowing up and it was in the other room. And my wife said, I think somebody really needs to talk to you. But <laughs> it was, well, that was pretty neat. Yeah. And obviously I don't want you to give anything away, but is this one of those deals where you kind of know what you'll be doing or is this, you're going to find out once you're there. I have zero clue what I'll be doing. <laughs> None whatsoever. Yeah. It sounds like an unpredictable event. I know uh, news came out yesterday of the Television Critics Association in going on right now in Pasadena, California. There was a panel with the WWE where I think they referred to this as a five-hour event. And then online, people were speculating, is this going to be an extended broadcast? But Raj, what have you heard about that? So it's three hours on USA. Yeah. Um, Justin Labar of Wrestling Inc., uh, he was he was saying he's heard there's going to be some pre-show stuff and uh, like post stuff on the on the network. So... They could be, you know, there could be extra stuff, so they could be going long. But um, yeah, that's that's all that's all we know. I don't know if you've you've heard anything else, Bruce. I, seriously, uh, my the extent of my conversation was probably about a minute in length. Um, they knew I was going to be in New York, and I told them I'm going to be there doing a live show at Barclays Center January 19th, part of the uh, Brooklyn Nets versus Miami Heat. Tickets started only $35, boxofgimmicks.com, in case you guys <laughs> didn't know about that. Uh, so I'm already going to be there uh, that weekend. And they said, are you available for, for Monday? I said, yes, I am. And they said, well, 
would you consider doing the 25th anniversary? I said, I would love to. And that's it. So are yeah. you going to be, so there, there are going to be at two different arenas. Do you know which one you're going to be at? I don't, I have no idea what hotel I'm at. I have no idea <laughs> what travel is. I have no idea uh, what arena I'll be at or what I'll be doing and with who no clue. Yeah. Well, someone else that's going to be there is the undertaker. Uh, his first televised appearance since WrestleMania. You think, uh, you think he'll be wrestling again this year? Yes. Yes, I do. I, I always, I always would joke with undertaker and tell him that until he was unable to walk. Well, actually I take that back. As long as he could get on a walker and make his <laughs> way down to the ring that he will be wrestling at WrestleMania. So, uh, and he looks better and feels better than he has in 10 years. Uh, real quick, Chris, uh, Bruce, if, if he's wrestling at WrestleMania, who would, who do you think would be the, the ideal opponent for him? That was my question. <laughs> um, <laughs> thanks Raj. Sorry. Sorry. About that. <laughs> we could just rewind that. Go ahead. You ask him, man. Go yeah. ahead. Come on, Chris. <laughs> Chris what, what's your question? I want to know what Chris's hey, hey, question so, is. So Bruce, uh, so Bruce yeah. I got a question, right? Go for uh, it. So, so with that, uh, so what's your prediction uh, that the undertaker will be wrestling again? Who do you think he may wrestle at WrestleMania? You know, Raj asks it so much better. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I know. It's just it's not fair, man. <laughs> um, you know, I, I look at I, you look at the roster and you look at different people. Uh, Braun Strowman, it won't be. That would have been a nice little face-to-face -face thing. But for nostalgia, it, we're, we're way past the Sting thing. We're way past doing anything there. Uh, I don't, I think that would bring undertaker down, unfortunately right now, but, uh, maybe John Cena. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Who should win? Taker. <laughs> yeah, I always I think Taker should win. That's my, that's my answer. What taker's in a match. You should win. Taker. De Duh. Definitely. Yeah, after losing well, who you think should win. Yeah. Especially <laughs> after losing to Roman last year. I think, I think if he lost again this year, it would leave a, a bad taste in a lot of people's <laughs> mouth. Agreed. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. So we got Raw coming up. Uh, I know your your most recent podcast uh, deals with the the start of Monday Night Raw. Uh, something to wrestle with. One of the best podcasts out there. Some of those episodes, your one with Goldust, I just recently listened to. It was, I think it was, it was over five hours. Yeah. Um, lots of interesting stuff. You guys were talking about ha having him face Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania 9. Um, I mean, uh, stuff that... You know, a lot of stories that people have never heard of. Um, looking back at Raw where it was and Raw where it is, uh, it, at the beginning, did you just think this was something that was going to, you know, last a few years and evolve to something else and evolve to something else? Or uh, do you see this as being a, a long-term uh, show that, uh, that stands the test of time? We were looking to cut costs. We were looking at an economic way to tour the Northeast and do a live television show on Monday nights to alleviate the cost of bringing talent into Stanford for primetime wrestling every week. It was actually more expensive to do that than to reroute through the, the Northeast and do a live show. So we were just thinking different down and dirty and being unique because we were doing the live arenas and, uh, WCW at that time was trying to do live arenas, uh, not live arenas, but big arena shows for syndication. 
So we were looking to do something different. And we thought that if we had a small venue and we were able to, to put everything in there and not do the slick production, make it different, it could be an alternative and, and be inexpensive. Boy, that changed quick. Yeah. Right. Um, also, we got the Royal Rumble coming up. So uh, I'm sure there's people already asking questions in the chat. Um, a lot of them are having to do with the Rumble and, and Raw. Um, with the Rumble that year, you, do you remember much about that year when Cena and Batista were the last two in? They both accidentally got eliminated. <laughs> yeah, I remember it very well. <laughs> what was the reaction like backstage when that happened and, and, and exactly what, what transpired? I can cuss on here, right? Yeah, go, yeah, yeah. feel free. The initial reaction was, well, fuck. <laughs> God. Um, the, the second reaction was, let's take a look at it and see if hopefully Cena hit first. We looked at it and every angle, there, there was no angle that you could even argue Cena hit first. They, they hit precisely at the same time. If, if we were to plan it, when we had Brett and Luger go over at the same time, that was planned so meticulously that Brett controlled Luger's body completely and controlled his feet so that they landed precisely at the same time. You couldn't have planned this better. They landed at the same time. So <laughs> Vince just went out and decided that, uh, we'll start it over. God damn it. Just get him out of there. <laughs> yeah, because the, there was the, there was that one time where The Rock accidentally got eliminated, right? He wasn't supposed yeah. to be eliminated, and they kind of used that for the storyline to set the the four way. I think they did that that year at WrestleMania. Yeah, you have to. You, you, sometimes it's not a perfect world; it ain't ballet, and things are going to happen. So you make the best of it. You adapt. The very first Royal Rumble we ever did, we forgot to get uh, Pat Patterson laying it out. Forgot to get Rick Martell out. <laughs> he knew he wasn't winning, but he just stayed in because he didn't have anybody to eliminate him. So he was just so he was just in the ring. He was he was still in the ring for a long time, and we're looking at it, and I'm going, "Who's getting Martell out?" Like, um, nope, nope. We got to get Martell out of there. So the next guy we sent down said, go, go in and tell Martell, just eliminate Martell. Get him out of there. <laughs> <laughs> what do you reckon the the planning is for the court? I mean, how, how extensive is it now at this point, especially when you've got two rumbles with 30 participants coming up? What would you guesstimate at this stage in the production, Bruce, like the level of planning and choreography is for this? Well, I, I, would, ima I would imagine they probably started last week thinking about it and trying to lay out what they want to do it, it's you know it started out from the very first one that was pat patterson practically by himself and then mm. as we went on i started working with pat on the rumble and then vince would throw his two cents in uh when i came back in the 90s it was always just pat and i that put together the rumble we added started adding people to it and then it became a just a damn committee where everybody had their two cents and we would have six people sitting around a table trying to come up with a Royal Rumble. And a lot of times it's good to have different ideas and have a lot of perspectives, but at the same time, too many cooks in the kitchen can, can be brutal. 
Yeah, so so with that, uh, as far as just the committee and the wrestlers, was there anyone that you can recall who like extremely lobbied to win the Royal Rumble and it was just they were just rejected? No, not really. I, there were always guys that wanted to be the Iron Man. There was always that one guy that said, "Hey, I want to go the longest. Let me <laughs> let me go out there and go the longest." The we did it one year with Bulldog and Sean where I believe they were number one and number two, and they were the last two in at the end of the night. And that was a lot of fun because it told a great story. And Flair going in at number three and winning the thing. So that yeah. was good stuff. Well, and to piggyback on that, can uh, do you like do you let the wrestlers know that you know you're supposed to eliminate this person to set up an angle for uh WrestleMania? Do they know going into the rumble? A lot of times, yeah. I mean they'll if there is an issue and angle that we have laid out, definitely they're going to know. And a lot of times people will say, well, why am I eliminating him? Why is he eliminating me? We don't have anything going on. That's the beauty of the Royal rumble is right. you rub up against any and everybody at all times and anything can happen. So, so you, we had mentioned Cena and Batista earlier. Were there any other major uh, mishaps during the rumble that, that caused a lot of chaos? No, I really, as far as I know, the ones I was involved with, the exception of that, most of them were pretty straightforward and the guys had it together. Yeah, some people are bringing up Randy Savage accidentally eliminating himself uh, one year, but uh, that was an accident, right? Because he just got back in and kept going like nothing happened. I don't know if you remember that one. Yeah, you know, sometimes things happen. Yeah. <laughs> Both feet didn't touch the ground and they had to touch the ground for 7.9 seconds. And his foot only was on the ground for 7.8. Right. <laughs> you know, you could just make shit up as you go. Um, some people, uh, a lot of questions here in the chat. People are wondering, uh, you're, you had a little run with impact wrestling last year. Um, I did. Uh, you did a few tapings then disappeared. Everyone was expecting you to come back, but that didn't happen. Is that, uh, what happened there? And, and is that door closed or uh, do you see yourself working with them again? I don't, I, the door's not closed. It was a situation of we were doing more live shows and my schedule conflicted with their television taping schedule. The last date in August, we were live like on August 17th or 18th. I had live shows in New York that had been booked long before I had agreed to do anything with impact they had all my dates and I just couldn't, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to make a lot of the tapings and they would have to adjust. I could have come in and shot a bunch of stuff pre-tape, but I don't know that that would have helped them or me. I had a great run there. I mean, I had, it wasn't really a run. I, I came in for what, six months. I had fun. I had an absolute blast going in there and working with those guys because I got to do it strictly as a talent but the time just came that, you know, I knew <laughs> that was my last date. And so corny fired me and put a nice little bow on it and I could leave and quietly left. And no one ever reported that I was, you know, gone from there. And I was, yeah, I was gone from there. So with that, it you had the authority role on uh, the impact wrestling. Uh, was it totally on screen or did you have any type of backstage um, uh, presence? 
my backstage presence was relegated to, I would sit in the agent meeting and then I would, uh, go in my little cubby where I was and do other real work for the rest of the day. <laughs> and when it was time to, to come out and do my, do my segments, I would come on out and do my segments. Perfect. So no, I, I had no, it was great because I was just a talent. If they yeah. asked me my opinions on things, I was more than happy to, to share my opinion. Mm-hmm. It, it seems like from a, uh, it seems like Jeff Jarrett was starting to, to kind of get it under control in a business sense, um, as far as, you know, making deals and, and kind of, you know, setting things up in, in that way. Uh, that kind of appears to be lost since Jarrett's departure. Do you, do you see them kind of getting, uh, you know, getting their footing back or, um, or not, do you not agree with what I said? <laughs> yeah, not being there, I don't. I don't really know what's what's happening there now. I do know that while I was there, there was a completely different atmosphere backstage. There, there was one person that was in charge, and that was Jeff. So if you had an issue or anybody had a problem, they could go to Jeff. You may not like the answer, but you got an answer, and you got an answer there on the spot. They were doing a lot of things, but. Uh, I don't know because I, because I wasn't there. I don't know what happened. Uh, a lot of, you know, the rumor and innuendo, but, and to, to speak to what they're doing now, I just have no clue. I have no idea whatsoever. So to tie uh, impact wrestling uh, back with WWE from your experience, what uh, current impact wrestling talent or who you work with, do you see as a uh, world champion material in the WWE today? EC3, Bobby mm-hmm. Lashley. Um, even Eli Drake, I, I, those were probably my top three picks from impact that I look mm-hmm. at and I go, man, there's star power right there and they've yeah. got it. Absolutely. Uh, getting a lot of uh, questions about the Royal rumble. We did a, we recently did a poll on uh, people's favorite rumble match and it seems like the 92 rumble wins out with flair flair winning. Uh, right. you, what's your personal favorite? That was it. I wasn't there. That was it. It <laughs> was. You, you look at the story of building someone and building Ric Flair and taking him who wasn't a WWF guy and the way that they built him and the way they told all of their stories throughout that one match, I thought was spectacular. Um, you know, going back and uh, the, the what we do with, um, oh gosh. With Ray Mysterio, different times where it just—I love telling stories in the Rumble, and I, I always loved the underdog coming out and pulling it out and winning it in the end. But then there, there's times where you look at it and you go, you know what? The obvious guy has to win, mm-hmm. and and you build to that. You'll you'll hear cases where wrestlers talk about how they didn't know they were going to win the Rumble till the day of. Like they might have had an idea, but they're not told. Is that generally how it how it went? Like uh, you don't reveal the winner until until the day of, or uh, because you know obviously it ties in so much to WrestleMania that, and usually a lot of times you can kind of tell what direction it's going. But uh, you can, but the the. The Rumble itself, especially with the brand split, the way that they've done it now and allowing them to go either way, it's not as obvious as it used to be. So I think that to answer your question, the first question is a lot of times guys didn't know who was going over in the Rumble till the day of. Sometimes we would we would throw things out at them ahead of time and say, you know, hey, here's what we're thinking. But 
other times you just kind of kept it to yourself and let them find out when it was time to find out. <laughs> so you had Austin who won uh, three Royal Rumbles. Um, uh, I don't remember the years. I think it was 97, 98, and 01, if I'm not mistaken. Um, the 01 Rumble had, I think, Kane with the 11 eliminations. Would you have changed kind of like the fabric of the 2001 Royal Rumble with Austin winning since he was such a top talent? Or do you think it was, you know, a good deal to, to still have Austin winning leading into his WrestleMania match? No, I think it was the right thing to do getting us to that point because the deck had been stack, stacked against Steve, you know, so much prior to that. So it was a nice mm-hmm. story. It was a logical, it was a logical extension to get to that mm-hmm. next story that kind of helps you get where you need to be. So that, that part of it makes it fun where people are rooting for their, they're rooting for their guy and he comes through and he wins. Were there years where there was no logical WrestleMania main event? Like there were several different options and, and it just made it difficult to kind of come up with one and to, and then, you know, and then going with that one Royal rumble winner. Sure. In the, you know, if you go back the early Royal Rumbles, we didn't have the winner right. going on to WrestleMania. And mm-hmm. Vince didn't look at the Royal Rumble match itself as he saw that the ma- the match itself as being the attraction, not necessarily the talent in it. And if you win the Royal Rumble, it was like winning King of the Ring. You're the Royal Rumble champion. But in 93 is when we did the first one, which was Yoko and had uh, the winner of this thing going on to WrestleMania to face the champion. That was the first time that we did it so that that match meant something. It also enabled you to throw in all of your stars because everybody wants the opportunity at the championship. Before that, you didn't have your champion in it. You didn't have top guys in it. You, You did, but not as many. So, once the rumble had that significance of the winner going to, to mania, that was your next launching pad. That's where you could then take it to the next level uh, for WrestleMania. And it became a little bit easier to book for the long, you know, for that long term where you got, okay, what am I going to do? Survivor series. What am I going to do? Rumble. I get rumble to WrestleMania. And that was even before we had the monthly pay-per-views, the in your house, and then we go to the monthly pay-per-view. So it, it all became, it's, it's just another piece of the puzzle. Yeah. Uh, now I got a, I'm, I got a question kind of going way back. Uh, I don't know if you'll remember this, but um, I think it was the second pay-per-view Royal Rumble, the year after uh, John Studd won. And uh, Andre the Giant was announced for it. And uh, he was advertised for it for a little bit. As a, as a kid, just I was kind of picking up on how WWE would position things, and it seemed like he was a like they were booking it for him to win. And then I'm guessing that physically he wasn't able to do it. Do you do you remember that? Because then he was kind of pulled without any real explanation. Yeah, it was health issues, and it was the the thought that okay, we're not gonna we're not gonna get Andre beyond this. Maybe we do we do one where he wins it, and it's it's kind of a happy send off. But health issues just weren't going to allow him to to be able to compete in it. Even even bringing him out at number thirty, it wouldn't have been pretty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Kind of take us through the 1999 Royal, Royal Rumble with Vince McMahon winning. Now, was that the that was that the uh, plan from day one, or did something kind of change uh, throughout the you know discussion process? I hated it, um, and here's why: because there was the the long there were the long absence events, you know, where he went away and he was gone for like a half hour and then re-entered the match. I just think that whenever you have a gimmick and you have uh, an attraction like the Hell in a Cell or a cage match or the Royal Rumble match, that you have to protect that attraction. And if you have a cage match and 10 people get involved in the match, I think it hurts the cage match. We have a Royal Rumble and a guy wins it who wasn't in it for 30 minutes, even though he was in it for five and gone for 30 or and then comes back and wins it. I just think sometimes that can hurt the attraction. So I wasn't a big fan of it, but it was also a holy shit moment. <laughs> I don't think people, I don't think anybody in that arena or at home thought in a million years that Vince was going to win that. Yeah. Was that the original plan? Yes. Okay. Uh, some people are asking, so you're going to be back uh, on Rod 25. I'm assuming as brother love, they had advertised as brother love. I know you said they haven't really told you much. Um, when you were the undertaker, yeah, and, and that, that's, that's funny because again, when I got all the, the things on my phone last night and I'm going nuts and then I'm reading it. And one of my buddies says, you were just announced on SmackDown. So I tape it and I go back. And when you fast forward or rewind quickly, you know, you miss things. So I didn't see myself on there. And so I go back and um, I'm going, well, let's see if I'm in this montage because I saw like Godfather and Boogeyman and I was sandwiched right in between them. (laughs) It's funny, like how much fans assume that everything is so planned in wrestling and that, uh, you know, like things that happen on a, on any given show or planned so far in advance and it doesn't change. And it's like, man, if you talk to some of these guys, <laughs> it did change right before they go out. Um, but, but going back to your, uh, as brother love, um, let, let me ask you this first. Uh, we talked a little bit about taker. Uh, you were his first manager, uh, and you were there for a little bit. What was the, um, was the plan for you to be a short-term thing? Um, just to introduce him and, and then to move on to Paul Bearer or, um, or did, or, or what, what happened there to do that change in, in managers? I was all, I worked behind the scenes and I was in the studio uh, producing the television shows at that time. And I was given a choice that here's, here's the deal undertaker. We debuted him. Uh, it was my idea to, to manage him. I brought him in, I, did this whole thing about how I wanted to, to bring him in, who I wanted him to be. And I wanted to manage him. I saw it as a television character. The undertaker as an attraction became such a strong attraction in house shows that Vince felt him going out alone in house shows. They're only getting half of the package if I'm not there. Mm-hmm. So he said, you need to decide you're either going to be a talent and manage the undertaker. And that means you're going to be on the road traveling, making all the same dates he does, or you can be back in the studio and do your, your television duties. I chose to stay back in the, in the studio and do my television duties, Paul bearer, uh, Percy Pringle. And it also, and it also happened coincidentally all at the same time as well. 
Bill Moody, who is Percy Pringle, who is Paul Bear, came in for a job interview. And in the middle of it, they said, what do you do? Because he wasn't active in wrestling at the time. So what are you doing? He says, well, I'm a mortician by trade. I always keep my mortician's license active. And everybody started laughing. Oh, my God. He'd be perfect for the undertaker because now we got to think, how do you replace me? Right. And here you've got a mortician. In addition to that, you've got the guy, the first manager of mean Mark or the punisher, whatever the hell he was. And it was perfect. It was, it, it just couldn't, it, you couldn't write that. Right. And it, it worked out really well. And his mannerisms are, you know, iconic. Um, was that just, was that stuff like ideas that you guys had that you gave to him or did he just kind of come up with all that? You know, the, ooh, you know, the <laughs> in the, in the early that a lot of that was me. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just kind of when, when I would do him, whenever I would do characters and that's what people, you know, talk about, oh, you do imitations. I don't do imitations. I do caricatures. <laughs> so, but when you are trying to, the beautiful thing about being a producer is, is versus being a talent yourself as a producer, you get to be everybody. So yeah. I can be, I can be Paul Bearer and I can be Hulk Hogan and I can be Roddy Piper when I'm producing all of them. And so as I'm, I'm trying to tell Paul what I want from him and it's, Oh yes, my undertaker. And I said, you've got it. I said, you've really got to get me into this. And I said, pet that urn, man, because whatever the hell is in there is really important to you. And I would do all this stuff for him, but I would always do them in character. So let me tell you something, brother. And, and it's not, it's not a dead on imitation. It's me just doing them for them so they can get some idea of what it is that we're looking for. I remember going in, in and doing a vignette with Mick Foley and Paul bear in a cemetery. And we had dug a hole. And at one point I'm, I'm on the ground and I'm crawling and I'm showing Mick. I said, you get down here and and Mick says, wouldn't it be great if I took a bump into the hole? And so Mick gets down in the hole to see how he fits. And when he, when he gets in there, it just, it just fits him perfectly. And I said, oh my God, Mick, I said, when you're down there, I said, I want you to take that bump and then look up and feel around and just look up and go, uncle Paul, it's too short for the undertaker. I think it's for me. It's <laughs> just that realization. Give me a minute. Let me feel you in that hole. But I did that because I'm like down on the ground. And then Mick is down on the ground with me and we're crawling. And then he goes, what if I took him out? And, and that just, yeah, you just kind of, you get into character. <laughs> So with The Undertaker, take us through just the um, kind of the vision behind Glenn Jacobs coming in as Kane at the 97 uh, Bad Blood pay-per-view. Were there any other prospects other than Jacobs, or uh, was it, did you reach out to Glenn? How did that all come about? Glenn was working at Smoky Mountain Wrestling, and Glenn had been somebody that you know had obviously been through as, as Isaac Yankum, and he had been one of the – considerations for the nights way back when but he was from tennessee and believe it or not jerry jarrett had suggested him at first so that was one strike against him but then we got to meet him and found out what a great guy he is and everybody liked him we were looking for opponents for the undertaker and trying to figure out you know 
what what is out there that, that can be a, a formidable foe for the undertaker. And instead of looking for someone out there, we, we needed to create something and the undertaker would be his, it's kind of like how we came up with the, the under faker, because you think about the undertaker would be the best foe for the undertaker. Well, what if he had a brother? What if there was family? Hmm. And then I just started, this is, my just say no to drugs kids, but at the same time without them, I don't know if I would have been able to think this way. <laughs> um, but I, I, I would, I, I just started going off about, you know, a lot of what ifs, what if he had, a, what if he had a brother? What if he didn't know that his brother was still alive? What if he thought he killed his brother, but his brother really lived and his brother thought that Taker hated him and, uh, and just all this machination of things. And everybody sat around the table looking at me like I was stoned. I wasn't, but you just, you start thinking about those things and, and it, and it grows and, and becomes bigger. And that's how Kane came about looking for an undertaker opponent. Yeah. Uh, someone's asking about undertaker's first uh, title reign where he beat Hogan. Um, at that time, Hogan really wasn't doing many, many jobs. I think he had only been pinned by uh, Ultimate Warrior, you know, since he, his big, big run started. Um, you have any objections to that? I know it was a very short term thing. I think it was to build to a, a, a Tuesday pay-per-view. Uh, that was an experiment, which ultimately led to the, the title being held up for the Royal Rumble. Um, but yeah, did, did Hogan have any issues doing that? And, and what was the whole... Uh, Kind of what was going on uh, with that whole angle? Well, I, I wasn't there during that time, but I no. was I was at Tuesday in Texas, and I was close with with Mark and and Hogan both, and I never heard any objection at all to it because Undertaker was the biggest and best heel in the business at that time, and it was a logical it was a logical way to get the championship off of Hulk. Yeah. So. Um. I don't know if you heard recently Edge and Christian on their podcast, really putting your podcast over um, uh, because you you recently did a, a an episode about Edge and and you will do these profiles on on certain wrestlers. Do you ever get any of the guys so uh, being upset about a story that you tell or uh, has it been all pretty, pretty positive? Pretty positive for the most part. I, I got, uh, you know, Vince Russo was got upset over some things, <laughs> but all you had to do was go back and listen to the podcast I did with Vince that was live and video and, and audio from before. And we just took excerpts from his book and that interview that I had done with him prior to, uh, for all of our research. And it's kind of like, okay, uh, <laughs> right. sorry, this is what you said. So <laughs> he's really been, been the only other one. Chris Jericho and I kind of go back and forth on text messages where, uh, Chris, I don't want to say took exception to, but, but we had a fun, uh, little tete a tete about me talking about him having the worst sleeper hole in the history of the business that he put on the rock. <laughs> um, but I, again, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and pick apart somebody's work in the ring, especially someone like Jericho, because he's my favorite wrestler in the business right now. Um, but no, for the most part, I think, I think we're fair and it's, it's my recollection. It's not, 
it's, it's when people come back and, and I hear sometimes, well, I had a meeting with Vince and he said this. So what do you got to say about that? I don't know. I wasn't there. No. So I don't know what you, what the two you talked about. I know what I talked to him about. Right. And I found, I mean, I've got sitting next to me, uh, I don't, uh, a bin like this big of my notes, notepads <laughs> through the years. And every one of them I saved and I have them all over here. And I found these the other day, but I took pretty good notes and, um, here, I'll show you this. That that's that's a uh, that's four weeks of raw back in the old days, right there. That's all it was. That's four weeks of raw, right there, baby. That's a creative. So, um, you know, I I just I I have a my old long term memory is great. Short term memory, eh, not so good. But the long term was great, and I I took good notes, so that's why I do it. But to Edge and Christian. <laughs> hope i didn't blow out your microphones i always keep a kazoo close by and honor them <laughs> nice and you got your live podcast coming up with conrad thompson uh something to wrestle with after the brooklyn nets miami heat game on january 19th at barclays in brooklyn uh you've been doing these live podcasts for a while have there ever been any questions that have kind of thrown you off a little bit no not really none that have thrown me off the cool thing about the the live shows that we do is gives us an opportunity to tell stories that we can't necessarily tell on the podcast. So we, we get a little <laughs> bit deeper and uh, a little more risque sometimes uh, with the live shows. And we tell stories we don't always want to tell on the to be forever embedded and download somebody's computer. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I sing. So uh, that's worth the price of admission in and of itself. You you were recently rapping. You had the feud with Diddy, and uh, yeah. you you did a rap. Uh, we were talking about this before the podcast. You and you and your feud with Diddy. Diddy was going to rename himself Brother Love. Ultimately, didn't end up happening. Uh, and I had asked you if you had heard directly from Diddy, and and for the obviously the people in here. So uh, so what happened there? Well, I you know I heard about it i guess on that friday night when he proclaimed himself brother love and and people started sending me text messages and and links to to what he said i didn't i sent one text out saying there's only one real brother love and it's me and remember north carolina and the reason i said north carolina was because that's where i met diddy in 1993 at a holiday inn in north carolina <laughs> and through the years um you know, I would see him different places. He would come in and do things. We'd see each other. It was always very cordial. Hello. And Hey, you remember when we didn't know who you were and blah, blah, blah. Um, always, always cordial, always very nice. But the, the wrestling fans, greatest fans in the world, they bombarded Diddy and his people about there's only one brother love and it's, and it's Bruce Pritchard. And so they got, they got on him pretty heavy and his management had reached out and just said, Hey man, would, would you ask Bruce, please be kind. I said, I'm, I'm kind. I'm not going to do anything. I, I'll let it play out. I was thankful for the publicity and the love. <laughs> so with WrestleMania uh, coming up here in, in April, um, can you think uh, you were talking about with Goldust, how, you know, there were some talks of him, uh, uh, with Hogan, can you think of any other uh, times where like a WrestleMania match 
did not end up the way that it was originally discussed. And and real quick, just to that, it it was before the Goldust character was ever created. Right. right? It yeah. It was Dustin it was Rhodes. Dustin Rhodes. Right. And 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 that right. idea right. even came off of an idea of Dusty, of riding with Dusty, and Dusty always cutting promos on me about how he and Hogan should have uh, an issue, and that that was that was the WrestleMania match, baby. Milk and dream and the Hulkster baby never even touched, if you will. <laughs> yes. So, uh, kind of like let, let, let lightning take let, let it all happen, and they find out who the greatest is. And he would do these promos. Well, I knew that it wasn't Dusty because Vince would never go for Dusty, and, and Vince was on this youth kick at the time. I had just come back. And I saw Dustin, and Dustin was a smooth, great worker. He looked good. He was young. He had the pedigree. And to be able to, to utilize Dusty and get those promos as if Dusty himself were going to be in the ring with Hogan now, and you feel that, baby, let me tell you something, Hulk Hogan, the fruit of my loins. <laughs> is going to take you and teach you all about the American dream. And, and, and it's really between Dusty and Hogan, but Dustin is the surrogate who would actually have the match that you might think, okay, this young kid might have a chance there with Hogan. Um, and Hulk just didn't, you know, saw, saw Dustin is skinny and not the, not the big muscular type that, that he was looking for. And as soon as I pitched it, man, as soon as those words came out, it was dead in the water. You know, Vince was Vince lost interest quick. Were there any uh, to follow up on Chris's uh, question? Were there any other like big matches you saw like that were pitched that just never really came to fruition because someone turned it down or uh, just just didn't work out? Well, there was always the the idea way back when when Tyson was red hot before he lost the championship to Buster Douglas of of doing a Randy Savage Mike Tyson match. Mm. That that was something that was thrown out there. The the old um, which I've talked about on my podcast. There was talk of, and it just got to talk. It wasn't never seriously, but it was more of a what if uh, Roddy Piper and OJ Simpson. Uh, in LA, you know, sometimes you got to throw what ifs out there. Okay. Wow. Stranger thing, you know, stranger things can happen. Okay. Um, I'm actually shocked that no wrestling promotion ever used OJ. Um, so am I, I really and truly am. But I think that the, especially after the civil suit, that there is a line you know they were like yeah you know what we're gonna go ahead and leave that one alone there was a, there was that yeah. window and there was that wrestlemania window uh where the civil suit had you know that hadn't gone gone to trial yet so he was still innocent but um everybody <laughs> wanted to beat the shit out of him <laughs> right yeah um and um, but there, yeah, I mean, there, there were different, I think, you know, going back, there were the, the, what ifs, you know, if you could have had undertaker sting, but that only works in their prime. Right. And when sting came in, the, you know, for his WrestleMania match, I'm glad they didn't do undertaker sting because it wasn't the same. It wasn't the same sting and it wasn't the same undertaker. 
Yeah. Yeah. Now we've got a bunch of announcements and, and kind of speculation of uh, Vince McMahon uh, kind of relaunching the XFL or some football related league. Uh, what are your thoughts on that as far as just Vince McMahon kind of endeavoring into the football field? And what were your original thoughts on him starting the XFL? And Bruce has a full podcast on the XFL. <laughs> yes, I do. I encourage it for you to go and check it out in our archives over at something to wrestle.com because it's, it's a little bit different than what they did on, uh, it was ESPN, right? Yeah. yeah the 30 for 30. It was Dick's son that did it. Um, as far as Vince doing something with football, I could see him doing it because he, he has a passion and I think that he truly believes. And right now, if you're going to do it, it's the time to do it because the NFL's popularity has dwindled quite a bit. And I think that people may be looking for an alternative, maybe looking for something else. I don't know how you can get to the the more violent aspect of the game with concussions and, and injuries, what they are today. I don't know how you can promote that or even if you would want to get there, but I do think an alternative and Vince with the promotion machine that he is, who knows, man, you know, you never say never. If, if you would have asked me three weeks ago, Hey Bruce, uh, you think you'll be on the 25th anniversary of raw? Go, <laughs> Come on. no, no, I don't think they know my number anymore. Um, but I, I think Vince kind of venturing out and trying to do, you know, different things um, in the entertainment world and in the sports world is a natural extension for him. Yeah. Do you think, are, are you a football fan? I used to be. I'm not so much anymore. Do, do you think that even if they're disenfranchised with the NFL, that they would be willing to watch second rate football though? Um, that was the problem with the XFL. Yeah. That's exactly what the problem was. It wasn't, it wasn't that they didn't want more football, mm -hmm. but we unfortunately gave them bad football. Now the oh. football got better as time went on, but those first four weeks, brutal. Yeah. Brutal. And you, especially coming from Texas where, you know, Friday night lights, man, that's real. That's a religion here. Yeah. And you, you go watch high school football and you watch college football and then you watch that. Uh, it wasn't good at first. It just it just wasn't good football at first. It really seemed they should have had like a, almost like a two month preseason just to work out the kinks and, and not have it televised. And just that way you could work, you know, get the players gelled together and actually work out like, you know, some of the production stuff and and some of the, those elements. And I think to Vince, part of the intrigue and part of the attraction was what is going to happen with this limited time of being together here, <laughs> here are people, you know, here's, here's a guy coming from his construction job that is, has worked out twice this week and he's, he's a starting tight end. <laughs> you know, uh, what, what's going to happen here? And, uh, the, the cheerleaders that were God, <laughs> oh man it, it was it was a crazy time in our life and the wrestling people that had to the funny part about it was was we were told listen when we're doing football you have you don't have to worry about football you're not going to do any football at all you do wrestling let the football people do football three days 
before we were set to leave for the first game. Which, by the way, I say that because I was not set to leave for the first game. But three days before they were set to leave, it's like, uh, hey, pal, all hands on deck. I said, you got it. I'll be in Atlanta. Ready to go. Atlanta. You're coming with me to Vegas. Like, for what? Got to write TV. We got to I need you for the XFL. So now I, I think, okay, I'm going out there so that we can write TV and we can have him for the time that he's not doing football to write the shows coming up. No, he had me, Michael Hayes, Brian Gewertz, uh, come to the XFL games, Brian, Brian Gewertz. Now he, he knows football, he knows football, but he doesn't know football. He's a baseball guy. So he had Brian writing promos for these guys. <laughs> And Brian, to get out of writing promos, is doing things like, okay, so this right tackle guy, he's he's the one that throws the ball into the to the other guy that catches it, right? Mm-hmm. Just to get, God damn, Brian, no, that's the quarterback, all right, tackle, like, offense or defense. It was just ridiculous <laughs> conversations that are taking place that ends up Michael Hayes and I are producing sideline reporters in a football game. <laughs> Do you think, because clearly Vince is serious, because he sold $100 million in stock, and they specifically in their SEC filing said it was for this new Alpha Entertainment, uh, you know, which is looking into pro football. If, if he does it this time at 72 years old, do you think he's going to take a significant step back from WWE? No. Absolutely not. absolutely not Vince will not take a step back from WWE or working until he takes his last breath if if Vince were dying he would have a bed set up in his office and turn the plane into a medevac unit to get him to (laughs) and from TV and then he would set up he would have it all set up at gorilla position with a little headset and his oxygen and all that shit and all of his ivs and instead of a instead of a pain pump that would be the pump where he could talk or if he can't talk he would just like do morse code with his (laughs) telling you he he will not no i he he (laughs) He will work as hard on that, and he will continue to work in, in the WWF as E. God, I'm still saying that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, Bruce, thanks so much for joining us today. Looking forward to seeing you at Raw 25 coming up. And Bruce Pritchard and Conrad Thompson hosting a live episode of Something to Wrestle With at the Brooklyn Nets versus Miami Heat NBA game on January 19th at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. Tickets are only $35 for the podcast and the game and you can purchase them at boxofgimmicks.com and check out his podcast something to wrestle with Uh, you know we we have our podcast here but i gotta say bruce that that podcast is the most the the fastest moving uh most entertaining wrestling podcast out there and congrats on that well it's crazy thank you very much man i appreciate it and thank you guys for having me on it's been fun i'll do this anytime absolutely well we'd have you back anytime so (laughs) thanks again all right, guys, you have a good one. Thank you. All right, take care. Take Thanks. care. Bye-bye. Bye. So SmackDown Live last night, uh, as we mentioned, that was the the promo that they showed for Raw 25. Well, what was interesting, so Monday they had the promo that they've been showing where it's Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know, all the big names 
last night was interesting because it was sort of i don't want to say more tertiary but it was it was the i think more the fan favorites last night that they were really promoting including brother love uh they were saying the boogeyman is going to be back um long list last night felt actually longer than the the other promo they've been doing wait you're saying stone cold steve austin's not a fan favorite no but i mean i mean more for like the hardcore fans you know, uh, I mean, nah, I think they just get the big names on Monday and then the rest, you know, more. I was names. trying to find a nice way to say it, Raj. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, you know, Brother Love is a huge name from, you know, when we were from when we were younger for older fans. But but uh, that's what I'm saying. The, what, the, the people like Stone Cold and DX, like that's drawing to a different audience. I think a, a larger audience. <laughs> well, as Bruce said, uh, they contacted him on Friday. I think they're just they're still hearing back from people just today. Uh, Eric Bischoff is, has been announced for Raw 25. It's on uh, Wrestling Inc. Uh, spoiler alert. Um, but yeah, Eric Bischoff uh, will be there. So uh, they still got the names coming in. And uh, yeah, it's it's going to be huge. I, you know, I wonder how much is just going to be throwing a bunch of these guys in one segment like they did you know, for Raw 1000 that one year with all the legends beating up Heath Slater or... <laughs> Because there's not enough time to do something oh, yeah. significant. I'm guessing it's going to be a bunch of backstage skits and things like that. But um, who knows? Should be fine. I mean, uh, uh, what what are you more excited for, Raw 25 or the Royal Rumble? Well, I actually interviewed uh, Bischoff from my show last night, um, nice. talking about some good stuff uh, about that. And um, yeah, I think did he say on your show that he was going to be there? I was going to ask. Well, he it was kind of teasing some things um, that uh, he didn't want to he didn't want to unravel yet uh so um some some really interesting things that we talked about but uh uh as far as raw 25 versus the royal rumble um i i'm still looking for more forward to the rumble because i think it's going to be a, a kind of a sideshow with the, with the raw 25 um it's just going to be a big circus and a bunch of big spots you know a lot of times they used to do that at wrestlemania where they would have the backstage spots of just a bunch of people you know in, in different segments and things like that so i can see that from, from what i've heard more of the older talent is going to be at the manhattan center mm -hmm. and kind of like you know raw as usual at barclays so uh, i i think that, that we're going to get a bunch of that so if anything it'll be a, a second or two you know that we'll see them in different backstage segments perhaps yeah i mean i, I think it's interesting the timing of both i'm wondering how they're splitting up the creative on this, how they're doing the production. Will the rumble suffer because of all the attention on raw 25? Well, um, the rumble is just matches. So it's not yeah, like they, you know, they're, they have to do, I, I think they pretty much have their, their direction they're going and the rumble winner. Usually they, they know well in advance. So, um, yeah. Yeah. You know, so. I think it's gonna be a great week regardless. I'm uh, annoyed Raj, Chris, have either of you seen full coverage of this TCA panel? with Stephanie yeah, and Triple yeah. H. It's nowhere. It. The only thing that came out, the only thing anyone reported on from it was, uh, aside from the their five-hour quote that I don't even remember who pulled that out. Um, well, but they the had thing, posted that on Twitter. The, yeah, the, 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 uh, the, the only coverage of the event was saying, oh, we noticed Donald Trump wasn't in your sizzle reel, you know, for the 25-year history no, of Raw. We, so we got an article this morning. I know, okay. I know you woke up recently. <laughs> I, I Googled it before. I searched uh, WWE TCA. Slacker. So if you look, uh, if you hey, look at this morning... We I'm got, on with uh, the West Coast folks. Uh, just yeah, putting it out there. That's true. So we got yeah. we got Triple H talking about Daniel Bryan uh, wanting to return to the ring, uh, basically saying it's not going to happen unless the doctors clear him. Pretty much what we already knew. Um, um, 
so yeah, I mean, it definitely um, makes it sound like uh, that's not happening anytime soon. We'll see. I mean, yeah. if, if, if he was cleared, I'm guessing they wouldn't say it anyway. So if they had a big WrestleMania surprise, my guess is not that he's not. Um, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting, man. Last night was strange. So, I mean, let's jump into that and talk about SmackDown. Um, okay. So they talked about the handicap match at the top of the show. Daniel or uh, Daniel Bryan making the match last week. It's going to be Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens versus AJ Styles in a handicap match. They were going big, Owens and Zayn, about how if they win, they're going to be the first co-champions in WWE history. Shane McMahon comes out to sort of chastise them for the match, but does not contradict this co-champions idea, which on Twitter, I mean, people were talking about, sort of excited about it. Uh, Chris, to you first, do you think the WWE is crazy enough to do that as a storyline have them win the the belt at the Rumble, maybe, uh, and then do their rematch in that fatal five-way at Fastlane to get the belt back on AJ for Mania. Um, never say never, right? You know, I yeah. think uh, <laughs> I, I, I think that's – I don't see it happening. I, I think the this is just a good – which is – I mean, it's it's been a good – um kind of angle going into royal rumble because usually i mean we talked about this before usually the royal rumble matches are a bit filler um just to kind of set something up you know to for for the rumble with the exception of a few john cena aj styles was last year a few years ago we had rock and cm punk but other than that you know a lot of the matches have been you know quite filler i think the the triple threat between cena uh rollins and lesnar was a very good match but we what we knew Lesnar was going to win. So I think it's, I, I think we'll keep, keep the same pattern this year with the Royal Rumble. I think it's a good angle leading up to it, um, but I don't see them uh, calling a full audible than their already announced five way match. If anything, like I've said before, they may pull one person out of the five way, make it a four way. A completely different match, other than that, happening at fa uh, Fastlane. Yeah, I agree with Chris. Even though it I think it would be really entertaining. They've done the they've done the co-champions thing before. They did it like with China and Chris Jericho when they were oh. co-intercontinental champion. Um yeah. this would be the first time they did it with the world title. And oh I yes. Think, you know, um but it's it, the WWE championship is so far down the the pecking order right now. Um yep. in terms of <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what titles the most you know important like the royal rumble poster it's not even mentioned on there whereas they got you know lesnar kane and Strowman front and center and aj lumped in there with everybody else um uh i, I just think you know with with aj as champ they just don't see him as they see him as a a, a guy you could put you know in that main event mix that could have good matches but they don't see him as a as you know a, a larger than life star it's clear uh, you think he's he, filling in the curse of the worker like Ziggler is like you know we talked about that whole thing with Bubble was talking about like the curse of the worker syndrome being a really good hand going up to the main uh, event status when needed and kind of dropping back down you think he's kind of filling that role now yeah for sure I mean they don't mm -hmm. he, you know Vince has a certain look he likes for you know their top guys to have and he, and yeah. he, he goes with who he wants to go with regardless of what the fans think or regardless of who's getting the biggest pop Rusev tonight you know is, is case in point we'll get to that um, yeah but yeah so I mean the AJ is just a filler he's a, him uh, and Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn I think are the most important you know uh, 
most entertaining thing on the show in a while. And they're all supporting characters to Shane and Daniel Bryan. And this is the big problem with WWE. Shane and Daniel Bryan, I'm into the storyline, but they're both, they both don't wrestle or they wrestle, yeah. you know, Shane wrestles twice a year. So you're having your full-time guys playing, you know, uh, you know, uh, supporting roles to the guys that don't wrestle. Yeah, so they set the main event last night, which was a three-on-two handicap match, and it was the exact participants of the supposed Fatal Five-Way happening at Fastlane in March. Uh, Nakamura, Randy Orton, and AJ Styles taking on Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn um, in that match. And uh, yeah, but two months earlier and for free on television. It's so, the same mix of guys on SmackDown every oh, week. Oh, yeah. It's becoming, know? I mean, not the B show. It's becoming like that intermediate step between NXT and Raw, which they consider, you know, the real. Yeah, because I, like, I felt like between this and the main event, there was just nothing to get interested about or, you know, really yeah. excited about that you, you really end up talking about after the show's over. Yeah. Co-champions, telling you, it'll be a great seven-week run. If it happens, it'd be um, interesting, and I think that would be a much. Uh, I, I hope they don't do anything with Sammy and Kevin uh, feuding. You know, a lot of people are speculating that they they split. I like I like this because they're very similar to Kevin and Jericho, except with them, you always knew one's going to turn on the other. I like the idea of doing something different and having it more the legit, you know, besties and would not turn on the other. You know, it it just gives yeah. them a different. Uh, different vibe because we've seen sammy versus kevin's for so long already oh i think they'll split when they lose the co-championship at fast lane to set up a match between the two of them and mania to give them something to do um mm -hmm. i don't think so well i hope not <laughs> even if yeah. even if they do i will so be just checked out of that i, I don't see them i honestly i don't see them putting sammy in a um a main roster, I mean, a, a main card spot at Mania, unless uh, it's, I, 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 I'm guessing he'll be in a multi-person. Yeah. Just think about how few spots they are. Like last year, Dean Ambrose was on the kickoff, you know? Mm. Uh, Ron Strowman wasn't even on the show last year, so. I think they'll do, personally, I think they'll do a tag team match. I think it'll be uh, Owens is in against Shane and, and somebody. With Daniel Bryan as ref or something? Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Daniel Bryan returning to the ring as a full-time referee in the WWE. He's done um, that already. Right. I know. Done that as a co-referee. Yeah. yeah, no, he'll just be his, <laughs> yeah. his new gig. He'll just be, you know, the ref with personality. Um, the most famous ref yeah. ever in the history of the WWE. Um, so I have to give them credit for this last night. We had a one-on-one -on -one match, Ruby Riot versus Becky Lynch. Uh, Becky Lynch winning, but what was notable about this is that Ruby Riot accompanied by the riot squad becky lynch accompanied by charlotte flair and naomi everyone uh got their full entrance they set it up and it did not devolve into a six-woman brawl at the end like this is rare that we actually had a one-on-one -on -one match that stayed a one-on-one -on -one match um what did you think of this match overall chris and do you think they're going to do anything with becky now that she's uh back from the marine six no <laughs> i don't think they're going to do anything with her i just Again, I mean, similar to what we've been saying, it's just the same old song and dance when it comes to SmackDown, unfortunately, uh, with the exception of Owens and Zayn, which has, you know, they've brought a spark, you know, to the product. But other than that, it's just it's the 50-50 crap. It, it's, it's you know, riots, the Riot Squad in some variation will win this week and then Charlotte and Friends will win this week and then 
the riot squad will win again the next week and then charlotte and friends will win again this week i mean that should just be the name of their stable charlotte and yeah friends. charlotte and friends absolutely and i mean that's that's basically what we see every week i mean just they gave becky lynch the win because she made a comeback after the marines after the marine six movie i mean that's basically what it pans out to i don't see anything other than that they need to give these women real storylines and individual storylines and stop clumping them yes. with each other. As soon as they come out with everyone else, they just feel like everyone else. They need to pick a few that they're really going to you know, push and, and put them in feuds that, like you do with the men. You talk about this women's revolution, but you book them the same as you have been forever. You just put them in specialty matches now. I mean, that's really all that it is. And you're not, you know, not everyone has to have implants anymore. So, I mean, that's your, that's your women's revolution, more or less. You're not giving them uh, storylines that, you know, where they can break out as a single star. You're just clumping them with everyone else so they don't stand out. Well, I do have to say that the wrestling gods uh, heard the fans and they did announce that Becky will be teaming with Sami Zayn for the Mixed Match Challenge. And uh, them doing that level of fan service makes me think they're going to get eliminated in the first round. <laughs> I, don't, I think it was just, I, I don't know if it was listening to the fans. because You don't think so? because no, then oh, they would have they would have done Finn and Bailey if they really cared. Uh, yeah, except I, I think they were just out of you know they kind of picked the teams that they wanted. And now they're kind of down to you know teaming you know just pairing up the rest, just yeah. random pairings. As as low as Finn might be considered uh, in the WWE's eyes, Bailey is somehow even a lower priority for them. I don't think they were going to do that pairing because they're not on the uh, close to the same level, and that's saying something for how they've booked Finn up until recently. Yeah. Um, do we know about the Mixed Match Challenge? I tried to figure this out last night. 12 teams, 12 weeks. How is this bracket working? I tried to do the math. If we go from 12 to 6 to 3, it just doesn't make sense. How do they do? Have, have the, you guys seen a schedule anywhere for this? Do we know who's going for even the first week, what the match is? No, I don't think they've announced anything yet. No. Yeah. Well, okay. More details to come next week. Uh, did we find out this morning? Uh, yeah. Do we find out this morning who uh, Carmella's partner is? Did they announce it? Oh, uh, yeah. Hold on one second. So, so first of all, last night they had Naomi and Jimmy Uso team up in the dark match, defeating oh. Baron Corbin and Tamina Snuka. Uh, <laughs> Biggie will be teaming with Carmella. That's interesting. Um, so on the raw side, you got Bailey and Elias, Alicia Fox and Goldust, Asuka and The Miz, Nia Jax and Apollo Crews, Sasha Banks and Finn Balor, and Alexa Bliss and Braun Strowman. SmackDown, you got Carmella and Big E, Becky Lynch and Sami Zayn, Natalia and Shinsuke Nakamura, Naomi and Jimmy Uso, Lana and Rusev, and then Charlotte Flair and Bobby Roode. Yeah. Chris, you excited for this? Not at all. <laughs> I'm just, I, I am not. I just... Uh, the 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 odd the, the strange bedfellow pairings uh the fact that it's going to be 20 minutes on facebook live i don't know I, I i perhaps could have been excited about it if the pairings weren't so odd uh other than that i just i don't know it's 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 a predetermined show <laughs> predetermined for a charity. For charity. Yeah, yeah, I mean, right. you, know, it, it, you know it's like oh so i'm really i'm i'm excited that i'm going to win this charity unless <laughs> unless it's just like a coin flip at you know on the in the gorilla position you know every week that okay so heads or tails you win and you know your charity's one step closer otherwise it's typical <laughs> wrestling booking that the person you know the team who knows 
know they're going to win and know they're going to win for their charity. So, you know, like we said, it probably be Connor's Cure or Susan G. Coleman or something, you know, WWE related. I, I just, I, I don't, I, I don't know how, um, I don't know how this will stick. You know, I, I think it'll, it, I think it'll have like the superstar syndrome. Like I think the first couple of weeks they, when they try to bring back superstars a, a few years yeah. back, I think they had like the undertaker on one episode mm-hmm. and they really try to push it hard. And then of course, as the weeks progress, it goes back to like velocity and WCW thunder. Well, notice who's missing from this. I mean, no Seth Rollins, no Roman Reigns, no AJ Styles, none of the top they tier. They do have Braun though. They do. Yeah. Braun and Alexa, who I think could, I think the finals will come down. I'm just saying it now. Braun and Alexa versus uh, Charlotte Flair and Bobby Roode, I think going to yeah. be the last two teams standing I, in this. I think they win the whole thing. But... Yeah. Brian Braun and Alexa. There's no payoff. There's yeah, no payoff. Yeah, you know, yeah the, 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 the step of the charity step is, is weak as hell. Hey, Connor's yeah, Cure is going to get $100,000. <laughs> yeah. If you had no some payoff. real step, like, um, the winner, you know, the winners get, I don't know, title shots. Like the man gets yeah, a, the a male down. title shot and the, yeah, and the female absolutely. gets a, a female. If she gets pinned during this tournament, she loses her title. Something like that yes. um, where it, it actually matters. There's nothing we're gonna get that makes you Funny real- backstage skits, guys. Funny backstage skits. No. Not parodies. <laughs> Nia Jax no- does not want to be part of Titus Worldwide. There's already so much of wrestling that we see already. Right. So if, you know, to, to invest 20 more minutes in our lives, this better be compelling. And the pitch to, to, to try to, you know, uh, to try to invest 20 more minutes of already uh, out, uh, overproduced, oversaturated reek of wrestling is, hey, guess what? We're going to have some odd pairings <laughs> and the winners are going to get money for their charity. Yeah, which is already predetermined. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we already know. <laughs> yeah. But there might be Facebook VR. We might be able to watch this in 360 degrees. Oh, man. Have fun, have fun watching, Glenn. I actually, <laughs> we I have to admit, I looked at the cheapest VR headset because I was like, well, that could be kind of a cool reason to finally break down and buy one of those for this. Hey, it's, you know, it's, we'll see. Uh, my My opinion has always been when you got to put something on your face there's a limited uh, amount of time that you're willing to do that that's why i feel like 3d never really caught on you know because people don't want to have to wear those glasses at home for for mm-hmm. long periods of time you you go to a theater it's one thing you know it's part of the experience but um i will see uh, vr is a, a different animal it's gonna be on facebook watch um which some people are asking in the chat uh natalie and others yeah yeah i believe you have to have a facebook account to watch it um i know there's a standalone facebook watch app for apple tv and yeah, and if you go to the facebook app it, it, you go at the bottom there's like a, a watch or a video or something tab and you just click that and i don't i don't know if you have to be logged into facebook you probably do but. yeah um We'll see. We'll see what this does. I'm excited for it. I always like when they try different things, but hey, you know, it could be the next tout. So there's that. Um, so last night, the Ascension versus the Bludgeon Brothers went the way you thought it was going to go. Uh, you hear Corey Graves say, we haven't seen anyone like Harper and Roan in years. <laughs> it's like, what about the Wyatt family? 
Corey, <laughs> other other than Harper and Rowan within the few years, yeah, <laughs> like it just it didn't make any sense at all. Unless he's yeah. unless he means like Harper and Rowan over the years as well, but they were job guys, so yeah, yeah. Um, Corey Graves, he's been off his game lately. I don't know. I I, I liked him a lot. Vicious with at Byron. the beginning. He, it, it's getting distracting. Where it's not like it's not like Gorilla and Bobby Heenan. You know, yeah, it's just right. kind of annoying. And yeah. um. Yeah, I just think Corey Graves is just—he's just not—he's not there. I, I thought on Rods because with Booker they don't have that chemistry; they can't bounce off each other. But it's here on on SmackDown too. Well, without JBL, I mean, you know, you need someone just to be a complete dick to Byron Saxton. Uh, yeah. He's really kicking it up a notch, week in and week I think, out. I think Enzo uh, took him off his rocker. How you mm. doing? <laughs> I, I love that <laughs> Enzo thing, by the way. That straight to the source with Enzo. Yeah. Because oh, he, he, yeah. yeah, because he is one of those guys that is so such a character that you can't tell when he's working and when he's being himself, and I think that's great. I think wrestling needs more of that. And he, if he was a foot taller and you know 30, 40 pounds bigger, uh, or half a half a foot taller, he'd he'd be probably you know he'd be a major superstar and then better in the ring. But uh, <laughs> to an extent, to an extent though, because I think that you know the 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 you know case exhibit a is rick flair i mean you know he he lived his gimmick to the t and you know on the the um the documentary espn documentary which was really good um you know he was talking about how much he just regret you know a bunch of things that he did and you know he was he wanted to be rick flair so much that he just abandoned so many things that were very high priority in his life and i think that uh you know, sometimes with that celebrity status and living a gimmick, you know, it, it only go. It has an expiration date, and then after a while, you start, you start looking desperate. You know, and and I think that's, uh, you know, you just have to be very, you just you just have to be very wise when you're trying to live the gimmick. And I think Enzo is is, is doing that. He just needs to be a little bit a bit careful because I don't know. Well, I mean, what do you guys think? Do you think that that was a shoot when it's uh, they were talking about? Um, when I interviewed Cass on his surgery bed and they were talking about the tweets. I think it was. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I haven't watched it yet. Um, so basically Big Cass was uh, – so Enzo sent out these tweets of ripping on Big Cass for not finishing the match. Ah. And Big Cass was upset, you know, talking about how he visited Enzo at the hospital, you know, you know, carried him up the stairs when he was injured in NXT. And, uh, you know, basically said, screw that guy. And, here, you know, here's the thing. Big Cass is a heel. Um, and Enzo was a face at the time. If it was a work, why are they doing, you know, setting something up when Cass is out for eight, eight months and when the feud's already been done? Um, I mean, I just, it, the, the way it came across, it, it definitely seemed like something I could see someone getting upset about because I'm sure he's not in the mood to work when he just got this big injury during his big push. I mean, to do this, you know, to do a work with Enzo, we just got this big injury and he's having surgery, doesn't know what's going to happen. And uh, yeah, so I, I it seemed like a shoot to me. Yeah. Oh, maybe. Yeah, Enzo doesn't seem much like a kayfabe guy. Um, <laughs> interesting. Um, so United States title tournament match last night: Zack Ryder versus Mojo Raleigh. Mojo winning. Uh, it's his first match on TV since beating Ryder, right at Clash of Champions. Yeah, um, Jinder, Bobby Roode was ringside. Mojo's going to face Bobby next week. Jinder was backstage, cut a promo uh, for his match against Xavier Woods. 
Chris, where do you think this is all headed? And do you think Mojo could actually win this thing? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I think we'll see Bobby Roode and Jinder Mahal at, uh, at the Rumble. But it's like, you know, I- I'm all about – you know, and and it's glad that it's good that we had Bruce here. I mean, he nailed it on the head. I mean, like how he would have someone live in the character, and he would do impersonations just to just to create that moment and that energy, so mm-hmm. someone can really feel it. And I think wardrobe comes with it. I think music comes with it. I think promo work comes with it. And it's like Mojo lacks all three of those tangibles. You know, and and it's like there's nothing about mojo Rawley that screams top star his gear uh you know his his promo work is you know subpar and his music is probably the worst in wwe right now wow i kind of i mean i agree there's he needs i I don't agree with his promo work because um he did a, a promo on Ryder before Clash of Champions that I thought was fantastic. I think he can do a you good promo. So? That, uh, yeah, that one where he's talking about how Ryder hadn't done anything. and and uh, yeah. Okay, yeah, that was okay. Yeah, that was okay. Yeah. Um, but um, I think he could be. Uh, but yeah, he, I, I agree. Like, you look at him and he looks like nothing special. Uh, he, he makes good facials. He just needs to work on standing out. And uh, yeah. he's not there yet. And then they know it because they don't keep he's on TV, you know, every three or four weeks. It seems like that when they do, though, like they give him these little pushes and then nothing like they'll just because they want to push him. But I think they look at him and they're like, well, what are we going to do with him this week? Right. Exactly. His his size. Yeah, he he does. I kid you not. His theme music make makes me cringe. I I I detest it. it. It's it's so bad and it does not reek of a major heel at all it just seems like player b you know uh video game music it is there's nothing about it that encompasses a mean rugged someone who just turned heel and and just as fed up with being in a certain spot it's like okay so i just described that give me the music to describe it to really fit that and you give me that and it's like Oh, I'm so disappointed. So I think every all of those factors really hone in to to developing char- a character. And I think that Mojo, uh, you know, he has the potential, but what they're giving him right now is totally uh, not uh, good <laughs> to work with. But at the same time, with Bobby Roode in this tournament, I don't feel like they're doing anything to really build him as a character. I don't think they've ever done anything to build him as a character beyond the entrance. Um, and that's why he's floundering too. And that's why I could almost see them. I could yeah. almost see Mojo beating Bobby Roode because they don't seem in more. They don't seem particularly invested in Bobby. Roode. No, I think it's clear they're going because they're they, they're booking a baby face heel, baby face heel. Yeah. And I think it's clear they're going with Jinder and and Roode. And Jinder cutting that promo. But now I want to focus on the U.S. title. I know I held the real title for six months, but now the U.S. title is where it's at, folks. Yeah. The only way, the only exception I can think of, perhaps, is that if they have some type of backstage uh, run in between Bobby Roode and Gender, one costs uh, the other the match, and we end up with Xavier versus Mojo for the U.S. title, and then uh, um, kind of a standalone feud with Bobby Roode and Gender. That's the only mm. thing that I can think of that could be an alternative. Maybe not see that. And what's Baron Corbin doing all this time? What's Baron Corbin? He's in the Rumble. He's in the Rumble. Yeah. Yeah. Remember, Uh, he declared himself. 
<laughs> so, oh, yeah. speaking of that, speaking of that, speaking of that, I recently did a piece about uh, Steve Austin, and um, I was looking at the the debut uh, of uh, the Ringmaster when uh, uh, Ted DiBiase introduced him. He said, "Oh, I was looking for a champion, you know, to be a million dollar champion, and here's the Ringmaster." <laughs> and Austin comes out, real short buzz cut kind of like you know uh poopy green you know trunks and guess what he did raj and this is in 1996 january of 1996 he declared himself royal rumble wow it goes so that far back huh yeah 96 absolutely jeez <laughs> wow they haven't fixed that that hole in logic since 96 22 years kurt <laughs> <laughs> hawkins declare himself this year yet did that happen? can right uh, he can. <laughs> there's if there's room left. With that playing up the law. Daniel Bryan, in theory, should be able to then, right? That's right. That's exactly. <laughs> <sighs> Man. Uh so promo last night, Chad Gable, Shelton Benjamin, uh, talking about how they were screwed the week before from the title. They want to rematch with the Usos. Daniel Bryan comes out. I know we were talking about this was one that might turn into a three-way match. They might do something to expand it, but instead it's going to be a two out of three falls title match at the Royal Rumble, Shelton Benjamin versus the Usos. Um, are either of you guys excited by this, this feud? I mean, I think that the wrestling is really good between these two teams, but I don't feel like there's much of a story or chemistry between them. They have none. Compared to the Usos versus New Day, it's yeah. it's a, a big step down. Chris? Well, at least uh, at least they are honing into a character now. I mean, you know, they were just neutral, just they were they were mute for so many weeks. They didn't really say anything. Uh, the fans kind of uh, nudged them over to being heels. So, I mean, Gable's a good promo guy. I think he's a really uh, he, he's he's uh, people sleep on Gable's promo skills. We saw it in NXT a lot. I think he was very um, he was very instrumental of uh, making Jason Jordan. You know, uh, they were a great team. Character, yeah, absolutely. great chemistry, great storyline. I felt emotionally invested in it, and I might have gotten even a little misty eyed when they won that title at Takeover <laughs> because yeah, it's been it was, such a journey. It was really poignant. I think before that, what we we saw Jason Jordan and Ty Dillinger, right? They were teaming together, and mm. that didn't work out too well. So, uh, you know, Gabe, okay, Gabe was a pr good promo guy. I mean, he cut a pretty good heel promo, and uh, you know, Birmingham was was uh, he, they reacted well, and so I think now uh, finally we got them as a whole team. You know, Benjamin was you know doing the the, the cheap heat you know remarks, so. Finally, we got them as a heel team. The only thing is, where does that take the Usos? Does they they become babyface again? They've been getting cheered a lot. They've been the babyface. They officially though. They, they've, they've been, been officially. Babyface. Once they did that thing with the New Day, where I think that was pretty much they call it a truce. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So they so, okay. they've been they've been the fucked on the babyface side of things since then. Um, and I think uh, you know you talk about. I thought Gable did a really good promo. Uh, Shelton Benjamin. Ugh. Yeah, that was uh, <laughs> that was not so much. He's never been a really a good promo guy, though. Yeah, never. But yeah, I, I I don't care about this feud at all. I like the Usos, and I like I like Gable. I like Benjamin in the ring, but this feud does nothing. Yep. Um, however, immediately after that last night, we get Rusev Day versus Brazongo. So Rusev declares himself in the Royal Rumble along with Aiden English. Did they have an entrance? 
don't recall. No, I think they did make their way to the ring. I seem to recall that. But he didn't sing, right? Uh, there was no singing uh, to my recollection. Or no, he did start singing. Pardon me. According to I'm reading the recap on Wrestling oh, yeah. Inc. I, These I, things I fly by, folks. Yeah. You watch uh, enough wrestling each week and you could tell me anything happened. I'd probably believe you. Um, so, yeah, Rusev Rumble. And I'm sitting there at home. I'm like, yes, this is going to happen. Rusev is going to enter the Rumble and win. And then they lost to the fashion police. What's going on here? Is this the, is this the feud for at least at least until the rumble, or is this just something for for both guys to do? Something uh, for both guys to do. You yep. know, I, I I made this point on Twitter. I made this point like I think last week or a couple weeks ago, where um, when Vince doesn't see you over as he sees someone over, you know what I mean? Like uh, if he thinks someone's just over with a the internet fan base, but he doesn't feel like they're a superstar over. He's not going to, he's almost going to do the opposite. And, um, and so here you see with Rusev, it's another weird example of, you know, uh, Vince not pushing something that could be really over because it got over on its own and not because it was in his plans. So Rusev, since he started getting the loud crowd reactions does not want to match on TV. So it's clear that like, they're not pushing this. They they don't see it as uh, a money thing, and they don't see him as a as a main event. This as a main event thing. Well, I think you know we talked about that uh, '97 promo when uh, Vince McMahon came out and talked about you know good guys and bad guys don't matter. Uh, you know that was rubbish. You know because I think at the end of the day, there's people who are slotted and be to be in different spots. You know whether if you're supposed to be a good guy or a bad guy. Now the fans can think otherwise or kind of you know uh, try to try to change that. But, you know, you're going to be placed in a particular slot. And I think they don't want uh, Rusev to be a major baby face at this point, uh, although he is by the crowd standards, but he's not by Vince McMahon standards because he probably looks at Rusev and thinks of him like, there's no way, you know, you need to be this, you know, really uh, terrible, you know, menacing bad guy. And, you know, if he's not that, I've got nothing for yeah, you. So the fashion files were squashed the last few weeks, and then they they pin Rusev. He's the one that takes the pin on top of it. So there it is. They're 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 not going to do anything with Rusev. It's pretty clear. Yeah, and and you see, I've seen it happen so many times where someone gets over and they'll they'll book them backwards instead of you know it's hard how hard it is to find an act that gets over with the crowd, and instead of going with it, you you work against it. A writer was the hottest thing as crazy as it sounds now, Zack Ryder mm -hmm. was super hot and they did everything they could to bury that dude. But, Matt Hardy yeah. at different times in the past, same thing. But who's the project on SmackDown? I mean, you could say on, on raw, you could say, well, he, clearly he favors Roman clearly he favors Braun. Who's Vince's Shane. favorite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's, that's like, aside from Shane, who, who's Vince's right. pet project on SmackDown that you guys think based was, on what you've seen. I was talking to a wrestler. I, I won't say his name because I don't know if he wants this. You know, uh, um, this was uh, this was outside of it's part of an interview coming up. But anyway, um, he thinks that Dolph is uh, going to win the Royal Rumble uh, as a surprise entrance. Like he threw the U.S. title away, and because he wants the world title, and he puts his career up like he did against the Miz, where he ended up winning. And so he puts his career up, and then AJ, you know goes on wins at fast lanes aj and dolph with dolph with his career on the line 
I could totally, I could kind of see that sadly enough because that WWE championship match is so far below the universal title match anyway. And there's no other, you know, really logical big match if Cena's not involved. So I could totally see that. It's Dolph that such a, winning the Royal Rumble. He, that has such a mid card feel to it. Totally. Oh, yeah. But the, wow. so is so have pretty much all the SmackDown main events over the last uh, year that haven't involved Shane McMahon or John Cena. Yeah. With the exception of AJ and uh, Cena. Yeah. That's what I said. Yeah. With the exception of a match with Cena yeah. in it, you know. Yeah. But there's not even like a fan service element in that Dolph AJ match. You know what I mean? I feel like they need to do something. If SmackDown is going to be the B show, at least have it be something that your hardcore fan base well, who are the, the hardcore, ones watching it. The hardcore fan base likes AJ as champ at WrestleMania. Sure. So there's, there's that. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, but Dolph. Yeah, yeah no, I, I agree. I mean, I thought Dolph I is 100% rather see Nakamura versus AJ. But you look, the you know, the mainstream, the casuals, the majority of the people watching, they're not reacting to Nakamura anymore. He gets little pops, but nothing big. Well, it's because how they, yeah. I mean, right. How he's been booked. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. It's so weird. Frustrating. That's catch 22. You book a guy poorly and then they don't get over and then you say they're not over. So was it Kevin Dunn? Uh, there's There's been talk about this, that Kevin Dunn was instrumental in changing his entrance. Because, you know, like when the music would pop up, his name would be Nakamura. Uh, yeah. So like in NXT, when like the, the violin would kind of strum, that's when his music would pop up. But now he just still does it in like flashing, still in the dark, and then kind of a lo little bit more into the, the music, his name pops up. And then kind of like when the, the music breaks, he would do the whole, you know, kind of go back on the ropes thing. And I don't know if you guys noticed just the cadences uh, in the in the uh, in the entrance change, but to me that's that's a big deal. Like a lot of people were waiting, or like when they were when he was in NXT, they would kind of wait for that moment when the music would stop, and he would kind of like go, you know, his, you know, when he like goes back when on the hose on the ropes and kind of like you know leans back. Um, he even does that differently now. So I think, I, I, you know, it's kind of like if it's not broke, don't fix it. And there's there were so many things with Nakamura uh, coming out of NXT that were just ready made, you know, and, and foolproof that they just just destroyed. Yeah, <laughs> that destroyed just it right off the bat by like giving him a long competitive match yeah. with Ziggler, where he took like thirty yeah. percent. <laughs> so promos building up to it were the absolute uh, tied the the Michael Jackson promo tied with Bailey. This is your life as perhaps the worst thing the WWE did in 2017. Yeah, they did that and, with Nakamura and Asuka. And, and gender gender ripping Nakamura's faces, because it's one of those things, again, oh, like, yeah, where you yeah. get people starting to notice that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and now, I mean, <laughs> look, they're, like some of his, uh, his things that I used to think were really cool now seem a little... Ugh. You know, like yeah. some of the stuff he was doing backstage with Natalia. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Then they're going to be together in the mixed match challenge. Yeah. Or he's doing the meow. And it's like, oh, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's because of how he's been booked. Like if this would have seemed cool a year ago, but I don't know. <laughs> it's just so yeah. weird because on one hand, I really liked last night's SmackDown. I, I liked it a lot for the potential of things. But as I'm talking about with you guys, that we're talking about the ways that it could go and the way it's likely to go. It's like all that potential. You're just going to turn us or keep turning us around in this vortex of, of like mediocrity 
that SmackDown mm. has become. Every time I feel like it could rise above, it just kind of comes back down a bit. But that being said, I mean, you know, they did give us Sammy and Kevin together. I mean, they have. That's the only thing. And even yeah. with that, they're supporting characters. Yeah. Uh, to Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon last night. Shane McMahon, why didn't he just come out and say, like, hey, Daniel, are you suffering from a head injury? <laughs> uh you know another yeah, they one don't want, they don't want that out there but but that but why did he walk that line last night so much you're not acting like yourself like what's wrong with you you know are you i mean he made some illusions where it seemed like it was about two steps away from calling him out on uh i thought he was calling him out for being in you know uh in bed with sammy and kevin not mm. that like not that he thinks that there's something wrong mentally yeah it was weird unstable it's what he called him. Yeah. Um, Chris, do you think this is going anywhere? I mean, we talked about it earlier, but do you think just more, more drama in this this soap opera that we see each week now that the bromance between these two is broken up? I think it hinges upon uh, Daniel Bryan uh, getting cleared. Uh, I think if Daniel Bryan was cleared right now, I think it'd be obvious that we would see uh, a tag match at WrestleMania with uh, Bryan and Shane against. Uh, Owens and, and uh, Zane was, I think, would be a, a very good match. I think it'd be a very good marquee match. Daniel Bryan coming back. I do uh, think, but to that point, I think Bryan versus Shane would be bigger than putting him in a tag match. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. I first of all, I don't a singles match with Shane. You know, that's starting to become you know traditional. Yeah, but and, they've, been, they've been good. They've been they they uh, get more. Hell in, a cell was, Hell in a Cell wasn't that good. It was the only thing memorable from that show. I thought that's because of his spot though. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The, but I, I thought that I, it, yeah, the rest of it was, but it gets way more attention with Shane in a singles match as opposed to like when he was in the survivor series. Um, not necessarily last year, but the year before, I, I just think there's a lot more yeah. drama when you do a one-on-one -on -one. and you saw with AJ and Shane, you do it right. You could really make it work. Yeah. I just don't, I wouldn't want to see, I, I I don't want to see a heel authority figure again like that to me that's that's so dead that's so kind of uh beaten down too much and you know i i, I if with when we, a lot of times when you have a heel authority figure and we've seen this plenty of times with stephanie when you have the heel authority figure it takes uh kind of the heel steam away from a lot of people that you should be pushing mm. uh and, and i think and i think if you make Daniel Bryan or Shane, that heel authority figure, I think that will take away some of that heel steam that Owens and Zayn need. Yeah, so I don't, I don't think, I don't think they should be heels. I think I, no, I agree with you, but and they could do it yeah. in a way where they're not heels, like they just have misunderstanding and leads to a match. Um, but um, mm -hmm. I think uh, where, was, where was I going with that? Uh, da, 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 da. Yeah, so I think I think they get a misunderstanding where it leads to a match, but right now they got it where they're baby faces and it's taken away from the other wrestlers, right? So, yeah, but it just imagine if they turn heel. I think it'd be even worse. Yeah, it would be. I agree. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um. So the main event last night, handicap two on three handicap match: Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus AJ Styles, Randy Orton and Shinsuke Nakamura. Owens and Zayn uh, tried to escape, tried to get disqualified. So uh, re match was restarted twice into a no DQ, anything goes match, no count outs. Uh, AJ Styles, Randy Orton, and Shinsuke Nakamura ended up winning, pinning uh, Sami Zayn after Owens and 
AJ ran uh, to the backstage. I have to say, I thought they were going to give us another backstage brawl similar to what we got on Raw Monday. I can't remember the last time two guys just disappeared and we didn't see something with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was funny. I, I, then, yeah. Go ahead, Ross. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I think it was. I think it was interesting that they did do that. It, it still didn't really lead to much. I mean, Orton and Nakamura just jumping Zane. I mean, and then you know that's where do you go there? You know, it's just I don't know. Just just uh, Orton and Nakamura both you know being in the Royal Rumble, but still both being a part of you know this Shane Daniel Owen Zane feud. It's just it's kind of convoluted. And I think we'll probably see more of it after the Royal Rumble, maybe even leading into uh, the the, the five-way at uh, Fastlane because there's some <laughs> dissension within the baby faces. I think they're probably that's probably what we'll lead to. But I think it's still kind of convoluted now, and I think no one really rises above. Like there's there's not there's not like someone one or two people out of all of those people in the fray that kind of stands out. And I think that's where the error comes within this booking. Yeah. Disappointing end last night. You know? I like I like that Owens and Sammy didn't lose and did, didn't do the job, especially since they're getting a title match. And I hate when people in title matches lose to people not in title Oh, they matches. did. They did last yeah, night. Yeah, no, Sammy Zayn. They, they didn't get pinned, though. Yeah, Orton pinned Sammy Zayn. Oh, really? I thought it was a DQ. No, he, no, he, he, they 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 jumped. Yeah, they jumped them. And oh, then, that's right. You uh, got it was yeah. a DQ, and then they restarted. Shasa, it. Yeah, they restarted. <laughs> Even though earlier in the show they were saying how the referee's decision is final. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Oh, WWE. Yeah, you're folks. right. Orton did pit Sammy. Ah, all right. Yeah, you yeah. can't write this stuff, and it's very clear that they don't actually write it either. They just sort of yeah <laughs> backstage Vince talks. People remember, <laughs> and they go out and do their interpretation of it. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so thanks for joining us today, folks. Uh, great interview with Bruce Pritchard. Again, check out his podcast, Something to Wrestle With, and his live event. Chris, thanks for hanging out with us today. Where can people find your stuff online? Google Pancakes and Power Slams. Uh, like I said, I interviewed Eric Bischoff uh, last night. Um, uh, some really interesting questions uh, that uh, we talked about, and uh, he shared his thoughts on it. So uh, check that out. Yeah, and uh, Raj, what do you got coming up on the site? Uh, we got a big exclusive coming up here in a little bit um, in the next couple hours. So check out the the site. Um, you know, like I said, interviews with uh, Billy Gunn coming up, uh, Jimmy Jacobs, and others. Also, sorry we didn't get to talk much about Samoa Joe's injury, but yeah, he has right foot injury scheduled oh. for an MRI. Uh, we'll talk uh, about it Monday. It could be months if it's bad. Um, we'll talk but, about this Monday with Matt, yeah, but he's going to become one of those guys. Who is it that told us that? Was it Matt? I would say that, that once you get that stench of getting injured a yeah. lot when we were talking about the revival. Is Vince does not like fragile people. Yeah. Mm. Luckily, Joe is a big guy, and Vince doesn't seem to keep that same mentality for bigger people. Well, actually, I take that back.